at the Empowered Church. And as you know, last week we read from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11, where it speaks of the gifts and how they were given to us to profit with all. They were given severally to each man as the Lord decided. And we just thank the Lord that he did fulfill his promise. This week, I want to talk about, for starting off actually, in Acts 3. And we see in Acts 3, Peter and John, they're on the way to the temple. And on their way to the temple, they came across a man who had been lame from birth. And he had been led at the, what they call the beautiful gate daily. And there he would beg alms. His friends used to take him there. And that's how he survived, by begging alms from those going into the temple. And we know that when Peter and John approached him, he put his hand out or he asked them. And Peter then said in Acts 3 verse 6, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This was a wonderful miracle, and many seen this miracle. And after this miracle, many were touched by what had happened. They witnessed the move of the Holy Ghost. Did did many of them understand? We don't know. It's not recorded. But certainly, they were convicted through the Holy Spirit. And, And many were rejoicing. But when you look at it, the sad thing is the leaders and the religious people of the day, they were not happy at all. In fact, it's recorded for us that 5,000 believed and were saved after having seen this and and hearing the witness and things that followed on after. But again, we see, as we go into Acts 4, we see Peter and John. And you would think that seeing someone healed, actually witnessing, and maybe if you didn't witness it, but these were men who'd have been getting in and out of the temple all the time. They would have seen these beggars. They were all, it wasn't just this man. This, this is where they were led. Uh, people who were begging, uh, who were invalid or, or whatever their circumstances were. And so I would suggest that these leaders would have known this individual. Known, maybe not him by name, but would have seen him there quite regularly. And having now see him rise up and walk and in full health and full strength, surely you would have thought there would have been rejoicing. Surely you'd have thought, wonderful, you know, this is great to see God move, but sadly, they didn't. They brought Peter and John before the council, and they questioned them. And as they questioned them, they tried to find some reason or some way that they had broke the law so that they might punish them, but they couldn't. They could not find anything legally against them. And so they had a discussion And they then let them go, but they threatened them. And they told them that they were not to speak of Jesus. But being bold in the Spirit, both of them stated that they could not do this. In other words, they told them, I would rather offend men than offend God. Oh, that that Spirit would be in the church worldwide today. Peter and John then reported back to the church And what they did was they held a prayer meeting. And in this prayer meeting, it's recorded for us in verse uh, Acts 4.31. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost 
and they spoke the word of God with boldness. God was moving. We see here in Acts 3 and 4 just the start of the fulfillment of the promise of God. This fledgling uh, embryonic church, whatever you want to call it, just starting to grow. And we see God moving, people being healed, but more than that, people being filled with the Holy Ghost. You could suggest without much fear of contradiction that maybe some of the 5,000 that seen the miracle and that were saved were at that prayer meeting and wanted to know more about it. And as they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So we see the promise that this Latter-day Church, God was going to fulfill His promise and God was going to pour out His Spirit upon them. And because God poured out His Spirit upon them, the apostles, they, they, they preached the Word boldly and, and without compromise, even under the threat of imprisonment and beatings and signs and wonders we know followed their ministry. Church, that is the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's the power the church needs today. That is the power, this, not just this church, throughout the world, that's the power that the church needs today. This prayer meeting they had was to seek the face of the Lord, to seek the infilling of the Holy Ghost, to praise God for the things that they were seeing being done. And they again had this prayer meeting. And when, after the prayer meeting, it says they all spoke the word of God with boldness. You know, when you speak the word of God with boldness, it doesn't mean you're antagonistic. It doesn't mean you're uh, trying to stir up trouble. It means you stand on the word of God. Many people say to me, what do, what do you think, Alan, or pastor, whoever they are, about this or that? And my answer is always, look, at the end of the day, it's irrelevant what I think the word of God says. And that's what's important. People will try and entrap you. Tell me what you think. Well, there's the best answer you can give. The Word of God says A, B, C, D. And I try to live my life according to the Word of God. That's being bold. It's not being rude. It's not being against people. It's saying the Word of God. But sadly, church, back then, the Word and religion tried to thwart the move of God in this way. And they're still at it today. And you know, one of the greatest tools today that the devil uses is political correctness. If you remember, I've said this many times, under the guise of political correctness, truth is being buried. Truth is being buried. Just look in Scotland, it just breaks our hearts to see the ruling they've come out with now that they can allow same-sex churches and, and their same-sex weddings and their churches. And you know, I just thought, we, Gene and I were in Edinburgh a couple of years ago, and we went into uh, this church where they were honoring John Knox. And just think of men like that who lost their lives for the gospel, and these boys are just willingly handing it back to the world. How sad a state is a church and in the world today. And that's not against any group of people. It's the word of God we need to stick to. Because we're not God, and we are not asking the people of God to be militant. We're not asking the people of God to be troublemakers. But what we do need to do is make a stand. Make a stand, because the Lord has promised us that he would fill us with his spirit. And if we make a stand, it'll be to the glory of the Lord. We need the Holy Ghost. But many people ask, well, okay then, how do I receive the Holy Ghost? 
you know what? I wouldn't advise you to go onto the internet and look that up. Some nonsense, really. I can't even say it politely. You know, there's no special prayer or special words that you must use. There's no, I don't know what they call it, but I would refer to it as a course you have to complete before the elders will pray for you and pray for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. There's no special prayer. There's no special deed that you have to perform. The Bible, which is the final authority, gives us three ways that we will personally receive the gifts of the Spirit. We receive the gifts of the Spirit by hearing the Word of God preached. Acts 10, 44, 45. Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them all which heard the Word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. We see two things there. We see the disbelief among the Jews of the day that God was pouring out His Spirit upon the Gentiles. They, as we know, were an elitist society as such that they thought they were the only ones. And here we see Peter preaching the Word, and here we see the Holy Ghost falling upon them. But there's another side to this. This has nothing to do with Peter's ability to preach. It was the anointing of God upon him. The anointed preaching of a man of God. The anointed preaching of a man who relied on the Holy Ghost. The anointed preaching of a man who has proved himself as someone who loves the Lord. You know, it's an interesting, just sidestep a wee moment about Peter. It's an interesting thing about him, and I'm sure you've heard it before, but just my daily readings during the week, I came across it and thought about it. Three times, Jesus asked Peter, just, do you love me? Peter said, of course, Lord. You know I love you. Then feed my sheep, and again, and again. And I thought, well, why three times? But then when Jesus was going to be crucified, what did he say to Peter? He says, Peter, you will deny me three times. See, that was the revelation of the love of Peter. Certainly Peter loved the Lord. But when it came to a point where he had to make a stand, Jesus wasn't punishing him here. Jesus was pointing out to him here. Peter, you've told me you love me three times, and now you're standing here saying you never knew me. But the Holy Spirit changed this man. This man was threatened to be imprisoned. This man was threatened to be beaten. This man knew that some of those of of that day would have paid men uh, to secretly get rid of him. But he didn't deny Jesus. With boldness, he preached the word of God because the Holy Spirit was upon him. And such was the Holy Ghost upon him as he preached the word, God's Spirit fell. Another way to receive the, the, the Spirit of God is by asking. In Luke eleven thirteen, we all know it so well. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? It's simple by asking. It's like I said, church, uh, that other document I read about you have to be at a certain standard. You just have to be a child of God. What did Peter say? Repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. That's the simple formula that Jesus gave, and through the Holy Ghost uh, anointing, Peter spoke of, by asking. And church, if, if we ask, he will give it unto us. But it's not just, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. 
Some of us have to spend time. Some of us, it just falls upon us. That's up to the Lord. But you know something? And I've known people who've spent weeks praying and weeks praying, and then without even thinking about it, the Holy Ghost came. By asking, by simply asking. By the, the main one is by the laying on of hands. In Acts 8, 17. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. That was the elders of the oversight of the church. They laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. That's an impartation. But it's not a power that the elders have that they're passing on. It's not, that's not what it's about. It's about calling down the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost falling on people. Acts 19 and 6. When Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on, came up on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. What a wonderful outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And it's a form of asking by stepping out, by, 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 by coming forward, letting the elders lay their hands on you. That's the most common uh, way people have received the Holy Ghost. But then not everyone receives it at that time. As I've said, some people need to go home, spend time in prayer. I know the night I went forward, Pastor David Spence went into the room with me and it took a while, but he left me alone and I began to break out in tongues. But I know my wife Jean was in the uh, same thing in another room at a later date. And it wasn't until some time later when she was praying on her own in the house that the Holy Ghost just hit her and fell upon her and she began to speak in tongues. Everyone's different, church. But this is the thing. Some, I've, I've spoke to people and they say, but brother, see the Holy Ghost. I'm not one of these people that can jump and do somersaults in the front of the church. And God's not asking you to do that. See the sad thing about Pentecostalism, church? It attracts the eccentric and the eccentric attracts the attention. Don't let these people put you off. Those that get down on their knees and bark like dogs, lie on the ground and wriggle, that is not the Holy Ghost according to the Word of God. That's demons leaving them, church. Read it for yourself. Everyone's different. And some people are put off because of this. I'm not like that. Well, neither am I, church. So I wouldn't let that worry me. Some believers are troubled because, as I've said, some seem to receive it. Uh, and others have to wait. Again, don't be discouraged because the Lord has not refused to empower you. And don't let others discourage you. I've heard people say, you haven't enough faith. It's not according to the Word of God. It's a gift from God. And it's a poured out gift from God. Certainly there's an element of faith, but that comes with prayer. When you pray, uh, and some people, uh, I wouldn't put it down to shyness, do need to be on their own because they just won't come out when other people are watching at first. But God will come if you ask him, if you ask him. The old saying, we, we, I've heard people say it when they pray. I've heard people quote it when they preach. But do we believe it? The Lord is more willing to give than we are to receive. You know, another reason that puts some people off is they have thoughts of unworthiness. They have a feeling that they're not holy enough. But the reality, church, today is none of us are holy enough. None of us, not one of us, are holy enough. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. That we might be vessels fit for the infilling of the Holy Ghost, who are cleansed by the precious blood of the Lamb. No one is holy enough on their own merits 
to receive any gift from God. The Lord does not give out on those grounds. The Lord gives out in grace and not of works. It's the same as what we read in Ephesians 2. By grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That does not just apply to salvation. It applies to any gift or any blessing from God. Again, another one of my little sayings, God is better to the worst of us than the best of us deserve. No one is holy enough. The Holy Ghost is a gift of empowerment to the church. Quoted it several times during this study. Peter said unto them, repent. Church, turn around. That's what that means. Turn away from your sins. Not just pray the sinner's prayer. That's the the initial step. But to be saved, you need to turn from your sins. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And there it is. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Again, the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, and as many as the Lord our God shall call. Church, the reality of the Holy Spirit is the gifts of the Spirit are freely given to empower you, to edify you, to help you in your uh, daily uh, desire for holy Christian witness and living. You know, the, the, the tongues, they're like prayer. People think if they, and they've actually said this to me, if they get tongues, they have to speak out in church. Church, there's people can pray audibly, let's put it that way, in prayer meetings. But there's people who can't. But their prayer is just as important. And it's the same with tongues. Not everyone has the ability to speak out in church. Step forward in faith and God will strengthen you, yes. But not everyone has the ability. And people have told me they, they won't, speak out in tongues. They won't speak in tongues because they can't speak out in church. It's to edify you, that gift. It's to build you up. And if you speak it in church, then an interpreter builds up the church by interpretation. You don't build up the church by speaking in tongues. You're edifying yourself, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's uh, the, the, the interpreter brings a blessing to the church when they bring interpretation. And you don't have to speak out loud. Some of the greatest prayer warriors I, I have ever met in my life, I've never heard them pray out loud. But you know something? They spend hours at home in silent prayer on their own before the face of the Lord. On their own before the face of the Lord. Remember Jim Shields telling me of a man who used to go to Devon Parade and any time you pass his house at night, you could see in through his front window, he sat on the table with a blanket around him because he had no heat and a candle, and he was praying. Amen? That man's prayer, maybe he didn't speak it out in church, but God heard his prayer. Your tongue, church, is to help you. There's times when you're praying. Well, I've been there. I'm sure you've been there too. And you're just lost for words, particularly if it's a situation which is trying to put you down or, or, or trying to weaken your faith. I've found that just praying in tongues just brings you around again. And you get back into a proper praise attitude and just worship and praise the Lord. Tongues are given to build you up. The gifts of the Spirit themselves, they're giving to produce in your life the fruits of the Spirit the fruits of the Spirit. You know, you'll not get a banana from an apple tree. Try it, you'll not get it. Galatians 5, 22 and 25. 
but the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what the Holy Ghost coming upon you produces through you when you surrender to the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the, fact, with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It helps you to walk in the Spirit. Church, instead, as they say in this thing, instead of using a I'm human as an excuse to walk in the flesh. Let's try using I'm saved as a reason to walk in the Spirit. God wants us to walk in the Spirit. He wants us to, uh, to have that power in our lives. He's not calling every one of us to stand on the steps of Jerusalem and preach a sermon, but he's calling every one of us to live for him, to take the opportunities when God gives you. In the house of the Lord, I believe with all my heart, and I believe it's scripture, if any is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. In the church, the elders of the church are the ones called to pray. Outside, when you meet someone in a restaurant, you don't go, hold on, I ring Charlie McClear. You pray. You pray. Someone said to me that you can't pray for people to be healed if you're not an elder. That's nonsense. Every one of us can pray. Every one of us can pray. A situation with a workmate. You know, church, some of the best opportunities I've ever had to witness in my last job was just praying with people. And it's amazing how open they are to prayer. Certainly, you have to do it privately. You know, you've heard of situations that they're going through, and you're sitting talking to them, and they say, you know, I've always, would you mind, I'll pray with you. Someone didn't want me to pray with them, but they were happy enough that I went back to church and prayed for them. But you know something? It just put a seed in their hearts. And God, I know, will water that seed. We need to walk in the Spirit today. We need to show and display the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Jesus said that when he comes back, some will come and they'll say, did we not prophesy? Did we not cast out demons? And here's the most frightening word that any person who calls himself a Christian will hear. Depart from me, I never knew you. They weren't producing the fruits of the Spirit in their lives. And therefore, they were not filled properly with the Holy Ghost. Another obstacle to receiving the gifts is a desire to receive the Holy Spirit in your own preconceived way. You know something? It's got to be God's way. It's got to be God's way. I couldn't believe it when a pastor I know of, I don't know him personally, honestly, he got a bit of coal and he flew all the way to Florida to receive an anointing from a great revival that was going on in Florida. And this preacher was going to impart to anyone that, I don't know what he was going to do with a bit of coal, but, you know, and I thought, that's not God's way. If you want the Holy Ghost, get down on your knees and pray. Come forward, let the, 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 the oversight, the pastors, the elders, whatever you want to call them, let them lay hands on you and pray for you. I couldn't believe it when this individual was talking how he was going to impart the Holy Spirit onto people. It's the Holy Ghost that comes down. It's Jesus that gives you that, that anointing. It's got to be God's way. People have been put off because they've been influenced by hearing of others doing foolish things when the Holy Ghost fell on them. You know, as I've said, church, to say you've seen the gifts abused is too harsh a way of saying it. But I have seen gifts not properly used, but it doesn't put you off using them. 
And that individual can be taken to the side and instructed and helped along the way, not shouted at from the platform. People are going to make mistakes. But you know, we've got to encourage people to move and to use the gift that God has given them. You know, as I've said before, not everybody receives the Spirit the same way. There's no need to fear. We can receive the Holy Ghost in an orderly way without rolling on the ground, kicking and barking and screaming. The Holy Ghost fell in the upper room church in Jerusalem, and they behaved in such a way that others thought that they were drunken with wine. Now, you'll hear people talking about this, and they will say that they were acting uncontrollably. I don't think they were. They were rejoicing so much. Gifts operate in a decent and orderly way any time they come. What was happening, I believe, is they were shouting and praising the Lord. They were speaking in other tongues. These people that seen them couldn't understand it. They weren't staggering all over the grounds and falling. They were jumping up and down with shouts of praise, with proclamations of joy, speaking in an unknown tongue. You know, this had never been done before. This had never been seen before. The crowd did not know what on earth is happening. They even asked, what is this? that is going on. Are these men drunk? One preacher I read said that they thought they were drunk because normally at the feast in Jerusalem, everybody was drunk anyway, so they thought it's just another drunken party going on there. But that doesn't mean they were acting uncontrollably. They were in full control. Well, the Holy Ghost was in full control, but they weren't being madmen, idiots running around. They were worshiping and praising God as loudly or as quietly as they could but that's what they were doing. Human inhibitions can hinder us sometimes. And whenever we let go of these human inhibitions, we get that freedom to immerse ourselves in the presence of the Lord with shouts of joy and praise. And again, not wriggling and screaming, but genuine shouts of joy and praise. And you don't have to shout at the top of your voice for God to hear you. If you do shout at the top of your voice, well, hallelujah, that's not a problem, but you don't have to as long as you cry out unto God and worship and praise his name. The gifts, when they're operated, are operated under control. It says the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. That means that although the Holy Ghost comes upon us, but we can control that in a sense that God can move and flow through us with the move of the Spirit in the church. We can control it, but we shouldn't quench it. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19, quench not the Spirit. In other words, kill not the Spirit. You know, when you feel God coming upon you and it's done decently and in order and the time has come in the service when the worship leader or the pastor allows time for the ministry of the Holy Ghost, that's the time to break forward and worship and praise his name. I've been in churches where I've even seen ministers preaching and, and this person stands up and tries to give a word of prophecy. That's not decently and in order. There's a time and there's a, a moment and when the anointing of God falls, you will know you need to be led if you're in a church from the pulpit, whoever, whether it's a worship leader, whether it's a preacher, but quench not the spirit. Break forward and worship his name. Church, like everything in life, it needs to be worked on. And I believe through prayer, we can mature in the Spirit. 
God can move through us. God can move through us. Again, remember what Paul said. The Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. It's not just given to the pastors. It's not just given to the elders. It's not just given to those who minister in public. It's given to everyone to profit with all. You know, many have told me that the infilling of the Holy Ghost was probably one of the most outstanding experiences in their Christian lives. They can now pray in the Spirit. Those that are able to sing can sing in the Spirit. That's what I mean by doing decently in order. I couldn't sing in the Spirit because I don't have a singing voice. But I can worship the Lord in the Spirit. I can praise and lift His precious name. You know, one of the main issues that will quench the Spirit in your life is pride. We want the Lord to give us the gift that we want. You know, many people have heard prayer and they've prayed, you know, Lord, make me a healer. But you know what they're asking? Let men see me, because that's all it's all about. Give me the greater gifts, the miracles, the healings. This is what I want to see. You know something? God decides who gets what. God knows my strength. He knows your strength. He knows my faith. He knows your faith. And we are maybe different faiths, different levels, but when we come together with the body of Christ, I don't have all nine spiritual gifts. I remember someone trying to tell me he did. No one has the nine spiritual gifts. They're to each man severally as God will. But pride wants us to get the good gifts, the demonstration gifts that people can see what's going on and we can do wonderful things and we can show people how people have been healed when we have prayed for them. Brothers and sisters, God should be glorified in everything that we do. And I've seen people healed and I can assure you it wasn't me that healed them. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of the most humble men I have ever met was Bishop Kenneth Heaney. I was with uh, Roland Baker and Stevie Warman and he was visiting their church. He was a general, he's passed away now, he was a general superintendent of the uh, United Pentecostal Church worldwide. So top man in the UPC. The UPC is the biggest Pentecostal church in the world. They are everywhere and the church is everywhere. And this man had achieved many great things for the Lord. Sitting listening, not to him talking about himself, but Bishop Baker and Pastor Stevie Warman talking about things that they know that Kenneth Healy had done. He had achieved many things, and yet he always acknowledged it was the Lord. It was not me. I remember he told me that he wanted to go into ministry. His father was a pastor, and he went and told his dad, Dad, I want to go into ministry. I would like to be a pastor. And his dad gave him a mop, a bucket, and a toothbrush and told him to go and clean the toilets in the church. And he said, them toilets have never been as clean after I finished cleaning them because I wanted to show my dad that I would do anything for the Lord. Such a humble man. And why did God use him? It was his humility. I'm sure many of you have never heard of him unless you're in UPC circles. But again, his humility was just why God used him mightily. Remember, God should be exalted and not man. There's many men and women in the ministry told me about the great things they have done. But you know something? It's God that has done it through them. I've talked to men and women of God who've told me the great things God has done in their life. So let's get rid of pride and let's submit to the Lord. We want the Lord, as I've said, to give us the gifts of demonstration, gifts of our own choosing. God is sovereign in all things, church. 
God is sovereign. You know, I hear people saying they believe in the sovereignty of God and then they question God. You can't question God and say you believe in the sovereignty of God. We've got to acknowledge his will will be done in our lives. He knows better. He knows our talents. He knows our abilities. Therefore, we've got to trust him. Don't let your, you know, Moses said that he's not eloquent of speech. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you don't need to be eloquent of speech. God puts his word in your, his words in your mouth. God takes a weak and makes them strong. And I believe that we must mature in the spirit. And we can only do that when we break forward in faith and in prayer. I remember uh, an old elder that was in the church here when I first came along. November 1981. And I didn't really get to know the man. I was only going to the church. I don't even think it would have been a year when he passed away. And that was Elder Joe Hodgins. But one thing I always remember about him, and I'm sure he did it with other young men, but when I started, became a member of the church, like on a Sunday night or a Sunday afternoon when the church was over, the next thing you felt somebody at your elbow pulling you back, and it was Joe Hodgins. He said, now right, son, here's this book. And he had to give you a book and the gifts of the Holy Ghost. He said, I want you to read that and bring it back to me. And the thing is, you had to read it because he had a whole list of questions to make sure you read it. And it was about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. A wonderful man of God. As I say, I don't really know him that well, but what I know of him, I thought he was an absolute gem always looking out for young men coming to the church and wanting them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But I remember him saying, I'll not say who, it was me and another young man. We were talking to him one day and the other young man said, I, I, I can't. I think actually what had happened, I'd spoke out in a prayer meeting probably for the first time and my friend, he just told Joe, I can't do that. You know, to, to speak out the way Alan did. And Joe said to him, well, do you know what to do? Go home or not even go home. He says, next time you're in church and, and people are ministering in the Spirit, just talk in tongues into your hands. Just keep talking in tongues. And he says, then you'll get the confidence to pull your hands away. And that young man did a couple of weeks later, and they couldn't shut him up speaking in tongues. <laughs> Thank God they had to take him to the side. <laughs> church, I'm here to encourage you. I say it all the time and still people ask me, what is the vision for this church? Church, the vision for this church is that you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And once you do that, all the other things will come. As the shepherd, when I pray, that is what God is saying to me. I can't turn around and say, well, I'd like to change that vision. The vision that anytime I pray, the Lord tells me that we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when we submit that submitting to the Lord, then God's going to move. That's going to take prayer it's going to take each individual taking personal responsibility to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Do not worry about what other people think of them. Do not worry about what other people say because you will face opposition when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. They did in the New Testament and they still do today. You know something? If they crucify Jesus, what chance have we when we stand for the truth? So let's stand for the truth. You want to do something for God, church? Then get the prayer and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get the prayer and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Just let God move upon your life. 
just let God use you as his vessel. You know, it will amaze you, the doors that God will open for you. And it really will amaze you. I look back in life and I'm amazed at times that the opportunities have came my way. I'm saddened because I haven't taken them all. <laughs> but God knows me. The church are just, I wish I had the right words to say. God wants to bless us. God wants to use us. But God wants us to seek him first. To seek you first, the kingdom of God, all these things should be added on to you. That's not just about salvation. It's about when you're in the kingdom of God, it's total surrender to God, living under his dominion, and therefore living under his power.